Charmaine, it's Mo. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm not bad. It's been a heavy few days, and that's actually why I'm calling you. I, I wanted to check in and see how you're doing. I, I know you had a very personal thread on Twitter lately, and I just wanted to tell you that I was very moved by it. And if you don't mind me asking, I was just wondering how the last little while has either put things into perspective or just made you feel, if you want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, no, I can. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things, and I think a lot of people can identify with this, you know, being being South Asian, my, you know, I was born in Sri Lanka, my family immigrated here when I was a kid. Uh, I thought I knew what racism was, you know, mm -hmm. I've, I've experienced it. Um, but it, it took me a long time to realize uh, that the racism that I've experienced doesn't really compare to the types of systemic racism that that hold down and impact other groups. And um, of course, we're, we're seeing this play out and, and, you know, it's, it's been years of confronting my own racism, um, accepting my, my own privilege. And a lot of that came from, you know, my experience becoming a parent um, mm. to a boy who, who is black um, and so, you know, when I, when, when these things happen in the world around us and, and we have incidents either in our own backyard uh, involving police or south of the border, um, it, it impacts me in a different way than certainly I, I know it, it impacts others because there's a piece of me that wonders, um, you know, could, could my kid end up with, as a result of a wrong move or wrong exchange, uh, could my kid end up hurt? And I don't know if, if that is something that a lot of parents, especially white parents, think about. Um, I do think that it is something that, that, you know, people of color who have kids in certain circumstances think about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think, you know, at least with my parents, for myself, um, being a South Asian girl in Vancouver, I don't know that my parents had to worry about that with me. I think they, they did a little bit with my brothers, but I don't think it's the same experience. I know it's not the same experience that, that parents um, of black kids and black parents face and think about every day. And I think that's why your voice is so important as well. I mean, you have these two experiences, one being a person of color yourself, but I think having a black child as well puts things into a completely different perspective that even within the South Asian community, we're not seeing, or maybe a lot of us don't even understand, right? We're only relating racism to our own experiences as opposed to black or indigenous or any other group. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with our, our very different histories, right? Our very mm -hmm. different histories on this land. Um, you know, for, for many of us, uh, whether it was us or our parents, um, you know, we, we came here willingly. 
um, mm-hmm. in the United States, that that's not the reality for Black people and and for Indigenous folks in in Canada, you know, this was their land that was stolen. So it's very, very different histories. And I think there are oftentimes that that people of color, and and I speak as a South Asian person, and I think about my family and friends, uh, where I've heard them say things where I know for sure that they don't fully realize that it's a very different experience. Yeah. It was kind of like and this is on a much smaller scale in a sense, because it's not personalized, but it's kind of like the Trudeau blackface incident. I saw so many South Asian commentators coming on TV and, you know, however you feel about that. For me, it didn't resonate authentically because I was thinking, you know, what does the South Asian community know about blackface or the history of blackface? (laughs) (laughs) And, that was an instance where we needed to elevate specifically, I think, black voices, as is this moment in history. And it is good to hear from a diverse collection of people. But I think, as you said, unless you have firsthand experience or you've really delved into that subject, it's hard to understand anti-black racism. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the incidents, incidents that I, I mentioned in the thread was when Caleb was was really little and we were at a playground and there were kids who who said the N-word, who call, hmm. kept on calling him the N-word. And, um, you know, he, he didn't even know what that was or what that meant. Yeah. Um, and that comes from somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, that comes from somewhere. And so, you know, I've had people reach out to me about about the thread and the experience. And, you know, I'm I'm also very well aware that, you know, he 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 looks black, he's half black. Um and so, you know, even within the black community, I've I've been trying to listen and and speak and read and um, uh, you know, there's different experiences um obviously as as someone who's mixed race or biracial compared mm-hmm. to someone who who is black but um you know just just speaking to him about his experiences um it it opens up your eyes to what exchanges and interactions with people in authority are like that you know you might not realize uh you know growing up in Vancouver uh, I was a total nerd. I was a goody two shoes, you know, <laughs> overachiever at school. Um, you know, I remember the first time that I was pulled over by a police officer um, for switching lanes without looking. And uh, I was nervous because I didn't want to get a ticket, but I smiled and he was very kind to me. At no point did I think that I could lose my life. Like hmm. that was just not even part of, of the experience. Um, but that, that is not the experience of others. And so, you know, I was hesitant about sharing my thread um, because of what you mentioned earlier. You know, I think it's really important that we elevate and we make space for black voices to tell their story. But at the same time, I wanted to talk about 
my son um, mm-hmm. and 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 you know give his story a voice and being a storyteller is what I do and so I thought you know if anyone can can share part of his story and his experience and his so far really young life um, you know who better to do it than me until he's yeah. ready, of course to do it himself yeah well and again I think that's why it's important it is a personalized experience it is your experience as a, as a mother to Caleb when he was growing up, was that your fear? I mean, you, you talked about being pulled over by a police officer yourself, but was it suddenly your fear of, you know, this is not something that you've necessarily experienced, but he's going to have much different challenges than, than you did even. Yeah. And and I can tell you when he was young, it certainly wasn't something I thought about because a lot mm-hmm. of what you do is based on your own experience, right? The way exactly, you parent yeah. is based on your own experience. So I can tell you, uh, you know, my experience, uh, you know, parenting him in the beginning was very much based on m- my experiences growing up. It took me a while to realize that my extremely privileged upbringing on the west side of Vancouver, going to private school was certainly not the experience he he was going to be having. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, let's face it, I, I work in radio, so, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't have that you know, private school life that I, that I did. So that was a start, but the truth was I didn't know. I had no idea what it would be like uh, for a young man like him. And really it was when we started to get a lot more attention on incidents south of the border um, concerning black folks were, you know, particularly unarmed black mm-hmm. men were, were getting killed by police and, you know, social media being what it was that I really started to realize. And, and of course, at this point, you know, he's nine or eight or nine years old. Um, I started thinking about it, about, about the fact that, you know, this could very well be a circumstance, um, you know, that, that he finds himself facing. Um, and then he started to have experiences with people in power. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of kids, you can imagine, right? You're hanging out at a skate park or congregating or loitering with a group of your buddies. Yeah. Uh, especially young men, teenagers, right? Sometimes, whether it's security guards or whoever, you have interactions. Um, and And he would start telling you these stories about, you know, I'm always the one that they look at and assume yeah. is the one who's who's causing trouble. Even when in certain circumstances, you know, they're kids and they, they do stuff. Uh, when it's one of his buddies who's white, mm-hmm. um, it's always him. And, you know, it was those stories that made me realize that I'm I'm really as a as a person likely never gonna know what that feels like, but that feeling of helplessness that, you know, I, I can't do anything to protect you. And my initial reaction, and I think a lot of parents can identify it with this, is you just want to keep your kids safe, right? So, yeah. you know, growing up, my parents' response to the world was, you're not allowed to go anywhere. You're not allowed to do anything. Uh, 
my my response to him was okay whenever you have an interaction with anybody you know you know don't ask too many questions don't be argumentative smile mm-hmm. you know just do exactly what they want don't fight and you know part of that is that really big desire to want to help and protect um but there's also a part of you that realizes wait a second um, this just continues this cycle. Yeah. This doesn't actually change anything or improve anything. And I think what does change and improve things are the conversations that we're having. Mm-hmm. You know, my, um, my mom passed away 10 years ago. And I think part of the reason your story touched me the way it did was because I remember growing up and when racist incidents happened to me, I'd go to my mom and I'd tell her, just like you're saying Caleb, you know, was kind of telling you about stuff that was happening to him. And especially when you're young and you're, you know, in elementary school, your mom is like your central emotional support. And even though, even though she was a big emotional support for me, I remember that when I would tell her this stuff, it would break her heart. Like I'd see it in her face and you could just tell. And I don't have kids myself, but I've certainly felt the love of a parent who wants to protect me from all the bad that's in the world. But in retrospect, I can see that there's that realization that there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's that, the helplessness, right? There's that, that saying, you know, being a parent, Mm -hmm. you're wearing your heart on the outside. Um, I think that's, it's accurate, right? There's nothing you can do um, to make it feel good or feel better. Um, So certainly my, my experience um, parenting and, and the worry, I think a lot of folks who our parents can identify with and, and people who, who maybe aren't parents yet, but have parents who have worried about them. They, they know that their parents are, you know, worrying about them, you know, that's mm-hmm. happening. Um, you know, that was part of it. But the other part of it is sometimes when we look at these situations that are happening, we like to think that it's not happening in our backyard, mm. that, you know, this is an American problem. We're, we're certainly hearing a, a lot of conversation about whether or not systemic racism exists in Canada. There, there seem to be a lot of people who believe that it doesn't. And that was, you know, one of the bigger reasons that I put that out there is because all of these experiences happened in our backyard, right? In Mm -hmm. Vancouver and, and also in Kelowna where we lived uh, for a while when I was starting my career. Um, these, all these experiences happened in BC. Um, it, it, it wasn't in, um, you know, New York or LA or some other part of the U S that this is happening here. Um, it just doesn't get a lot of attention. And, um, you know, I I think the the conversations that we're having, that feeling uncomfortable, that that's 
certainly a, a step. I've spent a lot of the last few days feeling really uncomfortable trying mm-hmm. to confront my own behavior, past and present. You know, even uh, you know, even Mo having this conversation with you, uh, there's a part of me that's that's wondering, you know, should I should I be doing this? Um, but that thread that I that I put out um, seems seems to have had an impact on people. So if if you know it helps or helps any you know a one person realize that this kind of stuff happens in Vancouver and what that does to folks, well then then I guess it's worth it. Yeah, it is absolutely worth it. And again, it's we can say there's different levels to it, but you know when I just express my own experience to you. I remember being six or seven and someone called me potato skin and I went to my mom and I cried and I cried and I cried and it's still something that like, you know, I remember as like an early trauma of being judged by my skin, but that is something that that child who said it to me probably came up with on their own. It was not the N word. You know, and I think that's what's so shocking about not recognizing systemic racism is how does a child in Vancouver who is, I think you said uh, Caleb was six or seven at the time. Yeah, he he was younger. I think the the kids were around eight or nine. They were were older than him. Yeah, Yeah, like how do do those kids learn that word? Yeah. You know, it has to come from somewhere. And where it comes from is sort of the the thing that no one wants to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and part of it too was was the fact that these kids, you know, I assume it's their parents, but the adults who are with them um, saw this and didn't do anything. Yeah. You know, I, I'm one of those parents on the playground with my when it even appears that my my daughter isn't playing nice I'm trying to get in there and 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 certainly uh correct her or set her on on the right path towards playing nicely but this isn't this is on a different level my mom would have chewed me out if I did anything like that well absolutely right (laughs) absolutely um so so to watch sort of that the fact that it didn't even phase them or, or they didn't, you know, they didn't know what to do. Maybe, I mean, maybe yeah. that's being generous, but it, these things happen. These instances happen. I mean, look at some of the stories we've covered in the news around anti-black racism in Vancouver over the past couple of years in, involving young folks, mm-hmm. um, you know, incidents at Lord Bing, for example, like the, this is not stuff that happens only in faraway places. And I think that's a really important thing that we need to recognize. And then as parents, you know, um, you know, what do you do when it's your, what do you do when, when you find out your kid has been doing something like this? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or what if your kid saw something like this and just stood there? Like how, how do you teach your, how do you, how do we teach our children to be positive forces amidst all of this? Um, there's so much to unpack, right? There's so much to unpack. Um, I, I just know that, 
you know, I think a lot of us have been feeling heavy and have been thinking about this. So I, I can't even imagine what it has been like um, for black folks in our community and, and across mm-hmm. the world watching what's happening, what it feels like to experience this, have to, you know, answer people who are asking how they're doing, um, the emotional labor that's happening every single day. It, that's that's why my hope is, you know, having some of this conversation and putting it out there takes away some of that, take, takes away some of that uh, stress and pressure. Yeah, and I think we have to accept that it's uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable for all of us. It's not just a matter of throwing up a black square on Instagram and, and saying, I'm doing my part. I think, as you said, these conversations and this introspection is uncomfortable for everyone, but it's ultimately important. And I think that's why your thread and and what you're saying right now, I mean, it's resonating with me so much because there is that sense of vulnerability and understanding that we don't have all the answers, but we kind of have to sit in discomfort and really hash through a lot of these long-standing systemic issues, cultural issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a part of that um, is is coming coming to terms with the fact that our experiences can be different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started the thread by saying I don't know what it's like to be black, because I don't. I'm not black. Yeah. Um, I do know what it's like to be on the receiving end of racism. You know, you were, you were talking about your story being a a little kid and going to your, to your mom. You know, my mom passed away earlier this year and I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, everything she taught me. And, and I remember that first experience as well. For me, I was five. It was actually before we, we moved to Canada, we lived in the UK and I wanted to play with, with a group of kids in my school and uh, they said that I couldn't because I was a packy. Hmm. And I didn't know what that meant, but yeah. I knew I was being excluded and being rejected. And um, when, I, when I got home and my mom looked at me and she could tell something was wrong, um, I told her what happened. And you're right, I, I also remember that pain in that pain look in her eyes, knowing Mm -hmm. I had been hurt. But also there was something about her, this resilience, and she wanted to not be there in that space. And she immediately sort of fixed herself up and said, you know, well, they're stupid. Don't they know we're not from Pakistan? That was her her response to it, to sort of brush it off. I didn't understand what any of it meant at the time. And it wasn't until I was older that I realized, you know, what she was trying to do um, was it's so painful and it's so hurtful, but don't let them have that power over you. Well, yeah. you know, it's in a way it's a bit naive because I grew up thinking that, um, but it's a totally different experience when the entire system is set up to be against you compared to, um, you know, the, you know, some of the isolated experiences I, I have had 
Um, mm-hmm. And that's not to say, you know, I, I don't continue to face racism. I, I have, I do. I've had people say racist things to me. Um, but I have an incredible amount of privilege that comes from my upbringing and background, sure. um, yeah. which is not the same experience um, as Indigenous folks in Canada and, and, and Black folks as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of this with me, Charmaine, and I, I, I appreciate your voice on this. I know you said you were hesitant to jump in the fray, but I think that your experience as a parent, your experience and your platform in media makes that all the more important. And, and if anything, I just wanted to express my gratitude to you for doing that, because I think it, it's resonating with people and it's important. Well, thanks so much, Mel. Thanks for, thanks for chatting with me about this and, and responding to the thread. Um, I, I really didn't think it would have the response it's had, but if it gets people to, to think a little bit about what happens, you know, in our own communities, um, mm-hmm. then, you know, being a little vulnerable and putting, you know, a bit of personal stuff out there, um, was was for a good purpose for sure absolutely thank you charmaine take care of yourself and your family thank you you too bye now bye